someone wrote in this question. I want to read it to you, and this will be what today's podcast will be about. Rick, are the spiritual gifts of the Spirit given to the New Testament church, especially to the elders, are they sufficient to meet the counseling needs of God's people? I'm wondering if more elders need to acknowledge their God-given sufficiency to counsel. In parentheses, the writer says, or disciple those given to their charge and more fully devote themselves to this aspect of their pastoral labors. I titled this podcast, Can't the Local Church Do This? And I want to interact with the question that the mailbag person is asking me, and let me go ahead and say, this is a can of worms, and we want to navigate carefully, and we want to guard our hearts as we are navigating. I hope that this will benefit you. Thank you for joining me for the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. This is the podcast where we put our articles in audio format so you can listen on the go. Like Christine, I got a note from Christine today. She says that she listens to our podcast religiously. Thank you so much for doing that, Christine. There are several people who have said similar things, and it is encouraging. As I've said before, it's good to know that I'm talking to real people. Christine lives somewhere in Canada. Thank you so much. And Christine, if you haven't done this already, what I would love for you to do is to go to the place where you listen to our podcast, whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or TuneIn or wherever it is that you're listening to our podcast, would you write a review? Would you say something like what you said to me? Christine, I'm calling you out. And so would you go and write a review? And you may be surprised to know how that helps because uh, it alters the algorithm. When people write reviews, whether you write a book, uh, write a review for our books, write a review for the podcast, uh, that helps us. It, it triggers and it lets uh, the folks know that people are listening and and it allows us to reach more people. So those of you who... If you have benefited in any way from our podcast, would you go and write a review on the place where you listen to our podcast? And I would greatly appreciate it. Christine, thank you so much. Thank you also for being a supporting member of our ministry. If you want to read this podcast, you can do that. Any Your Daily Drive podcast, there's a full transcript. And I write these out so that you can, if you want, read it. Also, so that you can share it, and we do want to give you at least two options, listening to it or reading it, hoping that it will reach more people that way. In this podcast, I have, let's see what I have. I have a, a short video on our Mastermind program. I have another video uh, that may be about 10 minutes on developing leaders in your church. You may want to watch that one. And then I have a beautiful infographic here, and I'll get more into that in just a moment. If you do have a question for me about what I'm sharing here or a question about anything else, you know what to do. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Make sure you have a username and a password, which is free to you. Christine helps you 
to get that username and password because she she and a few others underwrite our ministry, and so that's why we can offer this free to you. And so get your username and password, and then make sure you're logged in. And you can ask a question about this, or you can ask a question about, well, anything else that uh, that may be on your mind. And so let me share this question with you again, and then I want to jump into this can of worms again. The title is, Can't the Local Church Do This? From our mailbag, Rick, are the spiritual gifts of the Spirit given to the New Testament church, especially to the elders, sufficient to meet the counseling needs of God's people. I am wondering if more elders need to acknowledge their God-given sufficiency to counsel or disciple those given to their charge and more fully devote themselves to this aspect of their pastoral labors. Now let me give you the short answer to your question The short answer is yes, absolutely. The gifts of the Spirit are sufficient to the elders. But I don't want to leave it like that because this is a can of worms podcast and it would really be unfair just to say that because we could go in so many directions and maybe some of those directions would not be helpful. And so I'm going to answer your question in the short way. Yes, of course. The gifts are sufficient to the elders uh, to do counseling work within their local churches, but I would add that they are also for the entire local church. Every Christian has spiritual gifts to provide soul care to one another. Now, there are many verses that support what I just said. I have a downloadable link here that will give you a list of most of the one another's in the New Testament. There are over 30 of them. I want to share uh, three of those ideas here. In Romans 15, 14, well, we're told plainly that we're filled with goodness, filled with knowledge. We're able to instruct one another. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we are encouraged to stir one another up to good works. In Galatians 6.1, we are encouraged to serve one another through a difficulty. If any person is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual. And then in Matthew 18.15-17, we find a nice little template that conceptually lays out how we can walk folks through difficulty. These are just four verses or passages that speak to this idea of one another ministry. But there are many other texts given to the church that would affirm we, everybody, not just your church leaders. And so while I want you to put the burden on your church leaders, I want you to put the burden on everybody who is a part of the membership of your local church because the New Testament affirms that we all have a role in counseling each other. Those of you who have been listening to my podcast religiously or for a short period of time like Christine has, you know that the word that I prefer over and above counseling is discipleship. Counseling has a place within the local church. It's like a subset of discipleship. Uh, Counseling as a subset, it's where you pull away 
for a brief moment and receive this intensive short season of discipleship that we call biblical counseling or counseling or Christian counseling. I mean, there's many derivations, but the idea of counseling, but it's a subset of discipleship and discipleship is the word that I prefer. It's a broader term for counseling. And when you say discipleship, you when you say counseling, the thing about saying counseling, which I'm not opposed to, I'm not opposed to that at all, but you just need to know that when you say counseling, many people self-disqualify themselves. They'll say that I I can't do that. I'm not a counselor. And that's one of the reasons that I prefer discipleship. And discipleship, honestly, is the more biblical word. I'm not saying that counseling is unbiblical, but discipleship, disciples, the 12 disciples, we are disciples, we're discipling. Uh, That's obviously a, a better word for the New Testament and a better descriptor of what we do, even though counseling can fit up inside the idea of discipleship. But you just need to know that when you say counseling and when you say that everybody can counsel, counsel, many people will disqualify themselves automatically. Now, of course, as my mailbag writer is suggesting, implying, the elders would do this. The leadership team would do this. But they should lead the charge in all discipleship endeavors. They need to be instructing their membership. Not they, They're not just doing the counseling work, but they're instructing their membership in how to counsel each other. If you read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I won't share that passage with you here, but make a mental note of it, and I imagine most of you are quite familiar with these verses. But the idea in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 it teaches how God gave the church leadership the mandate to equip the saints, and it is the responsibility of the saints. It is a full-body ministry that the leadership of the church, they build up the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. And so the word equipping would most certainly imply teaching them how to do soul care. And so I I, I like what you're asking, should leaders be doing counseling, yes, but I want to expand that out, and I hope I was clear on that. Now, unfortunately, one of the reasons that I have this ministry, and maybe unfortunately is not the best way to start that sentence, but one of the reasons that I have this ministry is because, quite honestly, there is a discipleship breakdown in our local churches, and we need to own that. We don't have to be angry about it. We don't have to be mean-spirited about it. We don't have to be grumbling about it. But what would you expect anyway? I mean, it's unrealistic to expect all churches to do discipleship well in a fallen world, fallen people. It's just not going to happen. And I think anybody with any sense whatsoever would expect that there would be a discipleship breakdown in our local churches. So it's not so much about, is there a breakdown in discipleship care in our local churches, but what are you doing about it? Now, one of the things that we do, and it's one of the reasons that this ministry exists, we are a parachurch organization. The word para, like paragraph, alongside the graphe, alongside the the writing, a parachurch organization is alongside of uh, the local church. And our primary aim is not to replace the church. It's never been 
That's never been in our thought processes at all. We have no desire to do that whatsoever. It's not even a talking point with our ministry. But our desire is, as a parachurch organization, to come alongside the local church to help these pastors in their call to equip their local bodies. And and that's one of the things that we do a lot of. I was talking to some, uh, I was talking to an elder's wife uh, earlier this year in Oregon, and she said one of the things that she appreciated about our ministry is that uh, we do have a high view of the local church, and we talk about the local church a lot. And for those of you who have been on our forums, you know that. That's one of the standard questions that we ask. In fact, some people will come come to our forums preemptively and say that I have talked to my local church about whatever the problem is, because they know one of the things that we're going to say to them. Uh, from our view, all roads lead to the local church, and so we're not trying to build something outside of the local church that is disconnected from the local church, but we want to be a para alongside of church organization. And one of the ways that we do this is by encouraging those who come to us. Like, for example, and I've done this historically, when people come to me for counseling, one of the things that we suggest, we don't mandate this, we don't mandate it, but we suggest that they bring a church leader to their counseling sessions. Now, I know because we do a lot of technological counseling now, it's not as convenient to do that. But when I had a brick-and-mortar office building outside the church and inside the church, it was uh, something that I did historically when I counsel locally. On occasion when I counsel, I don't do counseling as much anymore Uh, because of the growth of this ministry. But one of the things, the option that I want to make available is to have the counselee to bring a leader with them. Now, this perspective on counseling, uh, bringing a leader, it not only serves the counselee, uh, but it helps me to equip the church leader further. And so it's a twofer. I'm helping the council lead, and I'm equipping a church leader and, and getting them connected into the real issue in the individual's life. And I have done this through the years, and it has helped several local churches in catching a vision for a more comprehensive view of discipleship within the local church. Even today, one of our counselors was emailing a pastor at a local church, a real thing that just happened. They are counseling someone in cyberspace. And so my counselor lives, oh, I'm not sure, five, 500 miles, 400 miles, I'm not sure what it is, away from this counselee. But they're meeting the counselee through a Skype-type setup, and then they are uh, sharing with one of the pastors at the local church about the counseling session. And, and so even in cyberspace, uh, when everybody is on board with this, we try to create that connectivity back to the local church, any way that we can help equip the local church. Another thing that we have done that you uh, you know about is that we've created a mastermind program uh, for this purpose of helping local churches. Our main aim in this training is to identify and isolate proven leaders within a local church and train them so that they can serve their churches more effectively. These church leaders may not be leading right now, but what I mean here is that they have a proven leadership gift, whether they are in a leadership role or not, but they have a leadership gift. We're training leaders. Our program is not for counselees. 
It's not for people with uh, poor marriages or poor relationships of some sort to help them uh, get, get, it's not an overcoming program or or something like that. There are programs that help people work through their personal issues or marriage issues, but ours is a leadership development program. And the reason that I developed it is so we could help the local church. And one of the things that I suggest whenever possible is to have elder involvement with the students so the leadership can provide oversight and encouragement while their church member is benefiting from our training. That is the best case scenario is when our students let their pastors know what they're doing, what they're going through, what we're doing. One of the reasons that we do this is I'm very mindful of Hebrews 13, 17 that says the pastors are going to give an account for how they lead their church. And I am not comfortable whether I'm counseling someone from a local church or training someone from a local church. I'm not comfortable tinkering with another person's sheep. It's always a win-win when the pastor, the shepherd, is aware of what we are doing with their sheep because they are the ones that are going to give are going to give an account. Now I realize that that doesn't work all the way all the time in a counseling situation. It doesn't work all the time with our mastermind students, but we are okay. We're very much okay with it when church leaders are aware because we want to help local churches. And so from a counseling perspective, we like for leaders to be part of the process. And then from a training perspective, we like for leaders to be part of that process as well in our mastermind program. Now, there are two dangers when we talk about church leaders doing the work of discipleship in the churches that the Lord has called them to serve. And I want to speak to these two dangers. It's important that we understand this. Danger number one, pastors, elders, leaders do not counsel well. And that is the point of the person who's asking the question. They're asking a one-sided question, and that's why I want to speak to the two dangers, not just the one. The person who wrote in asking me the question said, hey, aren't the gifts of the Spirit adequate for elders to do the work of counseling, and I answered that quickly and succinctly. The answer is is an absolute yes, but also said this is a can of worms, and we want to make sure that we navigate through this uh, well, so that you know we don't we don't go to a bad place when we think about our leaders or think about our local churches. And so there are two dangers when we talk about church leaders doing the work of discipleship, and this danger number one is that well, as the implication of the question is that. Leaders do not counsel well, and there could be many reasons for this. For example, it could be that the leader doesn't have a high view of discipleship. Now, that happens for whatever reason, and I know part of the reason is is that when a person, when a pastor goes and gets an MDiv, for example, when they get seminary training, usually pastoral counseling or practical theology or counseling, however they label the class, is that it is just a class. Uh, it is a subset of their overall training. And pastors with an MDiv, they're trained in theology, they're trained in homiletics and hermeneutics and maybe apologetics, and they throw in a tack-on class. And honestly, to be able to learn how to counsel well, you need, that's why we have a two-year training program, which could go five years for some people, uh, because learning theology is an MDiv, uh, but you need 
not necessarily an MDiv to learn how to apply theology, but you need more than a tack-on class. And so what can happen a lot of times with pastors that graduate with seminary degrees is that they have a high view of theology, but they haven't been trained well in the area of discipleship, and so they don't have a high view of discipleship. Now, another reason that they may not counsel well is because they disqualify themselves from counseling, saying this very thing that I'm talking about. They say, I haven't received training to do this. I don't know how to do this. And it is, it is unfortunate, but it's also very real. And then a third reason is that some leaders, they just prefer not to get into the messiness of people's lives. And I have had pastors tell me that for real that I just don't want to get involved in the messiness of their lives. And then there's a fourth reason. They're leaders who are not uh, strong advocates of active obedience. And what I mean by active obedience, I'm talking about what James said, be doers of the word, that we should be actively involved in each other's lives and There are a lot of preachers who may sign off on active obedience, but yet what they really believe is that all you need to do is to preach the Word of God and people would be transformed by the Word of God, which is really odd in light of Acts 8, for example, with the Ethiopian sitting in a chariot with Isaiah 53 opened in his lap, and he didn't understand what he was reading And so Philip jumped up in the chariot and explained it to him. There is an element of truth to this worldview that the preaching of God's word will help, that will transform lives. I I have a high view of the word of God, and I would not want you to hear anything other than that. But I believe also that we need to think with discernment that it is a flawed worldview if the only thing that you practice is the preaching of God's Word. The Bible would not support that. In fact, we think about Jesus as being a great teacher, but if you you highlighted all the teaching, all the monologue, uh, one-way direction ministry of Jesus, there's very little in the Gospels. In fact, if you took out Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there wouldn't be much left as far as monologuing. Jesus was an interactive teacher. He was a two-way dialogue teacher, and almost everything in the New Testament in the four Gospels outside of 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew and a few other where he monologued, there's few of that. There's little of that, rather, Uh, but he was primarily an interactive person. And for these pastors, preachers, if preaching of the word were the only thing we needed, there, there would not be so many calls to active obedience, the one another's in the New Testament. I'm talking about being intentionally intrusive with each other. For some pastors, and I understand what is going on, in a sense, that they have combated the weak preaching phenomenon in Christianity, but one of the ways that they have combated that is by making it the only thing, making the preaching of the Word the only thing the Bible teaches about how folks change. And what they end up doing is this is an over-elevation of God's Word, and it is a tragic mistake when it comes to discipleship soul care. Now, I'm going to repeat just one more time. 
do not weave into what I just said, uh, that I have a low view of the preaching of God's Word. I don't. I really don't. I love God's Word. I love the preaching of God's Word. Uh, but if you don't have a high view of active obedience as well and interactive personal ministry, uh, your church can be weak. And so danger number one is that pastors do not counsel well. I'm giving you four reasons for that. Danger number two, pastors, elders, and leaders do nearly all of the soul care of their church. And this is where I would caution the questioner, <clears throat> excuse me, caution the questioner uh, that wrote in. Because the questioner, the question could lend, lend to this idea. And that would be a monumental mistake for the church to put the burden of all discipleship on the pastors, on the leaders. A pastor that does not delegate the responsibility of counseling to the body will keep his church small and will suffocate suffocate the soul care needs of the church. And when I talk about keeping the church small, I'm not talking about making it a numbers game where a large crowd is good and a, a small gathering is terrible. This is not about the numbers. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you don't equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, you will have an immature and possibly self-centered church because they're not looking out to others. They're not esteeming others more than themselves. They're not getting into the messiness of people's lives. Not only can pastors negate getting into the messiness of people's lives, but the church people will too. And the only thing that the church will be good at doing is providing meals and other physical needs of the church, which is a good thing. But when it comes to discipleship and soul care, they'll do that poorly. And so the pastors must not only know how to counsel well, but they need to be delegators. It's not about numbers per se. It's about helping each church member to fulfill the capacities that God has given to them. And a significant piece of filling up a person's ability to do counseling is manifest by how they love others more than, than, than themselves. The non-delegating pastor is suffocating his church. And so danger number one, elders, leaders, pastors don't counsel well. Danger number two is they do it all and they don't delegate and they'll end up suffocating, truncating uh, their church. And then finally, I want to close out this podcast by asking, how can you help? What is your responsibility? Well, one of the things that you want to do is you want to pray for your leaders, asking the Father, to help them find this balance, the balance between danger number one, that they don't do it at all or don't do it well, and danger number two, they do it all and they don't delegate. Now, as the question implies, it's critical for all ministry leaders, especially pastors, to be counseling. Counseling is one of the best ways for them to stay in tune with what's happening with their folks. You know, if you're getting to the nitty-gritty of a person's life, you will know them well, which will make you a better counselor. It'll make you a better friend. It'll make you a better pastor. It'll make you a better teacher. Getting deep with others will keep you in touch with your people, and it will impact. It will impact how you study God's Word. That's one of the things that I've been. That's one of the things I've benefited the most about being in counseling so long. I read God's Word differently. 
I read God's word with this counsel, with this discipleship hermeneutic. How can I apply? I, I don't read God's word just exegetically like, what does it mean, which is a critical part of understanding God's word, obviously. But because I've been in counseling so long, I can't help but read God's word and make a natural connection to how does this apply in my life? How does it apply in my wife's life, my children's lives? How does it apply in other people's lives? And a, counsel, a pastor who is doing the work of counseling, discipleship, if he's doing a little bit of it, then he will be reading God's word, studying God's word uh, with that in mind, with practical application in mind, and it will affect how he preaches God's word as well. And so you also want to talk to your pastor. Talk to him about this podcast, about this article. Share your desire to come alongside him, to help him with the soul care needs of your church. It is a body ministry. And so, yes, I agree with the questioner. Pastors should be doing the work of discipleship, but I would extend that to the entire body. It's a body ministry, not a one- or two-person show. Everybody in your church has a role to play, and you want to do your part to help facilitate this good aim. The title of this podcast and the article on the website, Can't the Local Church Do This? I'm answering a question that was sent in to me. I hope that's helpful, but I am sure that there are people that want to talk about this, and, well, I would love to talk to you about it. So go to rickthomas.net, get your username and password, log in, and let me know what your question is. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.